Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. We have got Auto Rescue Tools and Isaac Rodell as a sponsor for this podcast. Hey guys, if you're looking for programming laptops, you want the laptop set up ready to go for programming control modules on vehicles, you need key cutting equipment, you need diagnostic tools, Isaac is your guy. Has all that stuff available for purchase and the support that he offers along with the purchase has been outstanding. I bought some stuff from him in the past. I got my Dolphin key cutting tool from him several years back. And again, the support has been phenomenal. Helped me out along the way with anything additional I needed to make it work for me. So make sure to check that out as well. Again, that's autorescuetools.com. The link will be in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by L1 Automotive Training and Keith Perkins. If you're looking for education on module programming, J2534, EEPROM work, key and immobilizer, electrical diagnostics, or drivability diagnostics, Keith has a website, l1training.com, that's got over 60 hours of training videos on all those subjects and more. When I first started out doing mobile, I utilized Keith's videos on module programming and J2534 in order to get my head wrapped around what I would need for the tooling, the computers, the software setups, you know, what kind of obstacles I would be up against when I'm out there programming modules on cars. And it was a huge benefit to me. And I continue to use the training videos um, that he has on his website. So I strongly recommend checking out l1training.com. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Today on the show, I've got a guest joining me, Ali Hamid. Ali is a mobile technician down in Texas, and he's going to share with us his story of coming to America. He's originally from Iraq. He was a translator for the army, uh, moved here, and eventually got a mobile business going down in Texas. And uh, we're going to hear the story. Ali's a good friend of mine, super smart guy, super kind and really interesting. So I enjoyed this quite a bit. I know you will as well. With that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. All right, Ali, how's it going? Good, good. How are you, sir? I am. I'm doing well. I got my butt kicked today, and I guess I really have been all week. But you know, it's part of the gig. So, what was it? Uh, what wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm fighting a Subaru Eyesight oh. uh, calibration that I. I'm having zero luck with, and uh, just on top of that, it seems like everything I touch this week has just been just turned to crap. Um, I've got these uh, Ford F550 BCMs uh, that I've been fighting with, and I think I kind of have them figured out because I've had what three in the one? last week. Um, 
2012 to 14. They were all in that range. Okay. Are you using and, ideas or are you cloning? A combination of okay. all of the forward tools that I have, right? So I've got the IO terminal that'll do some of the BCM stuff, uh, Forescan, and then IDS. And it really took a kind of a combination to make these things work because wow. the as built data on Ford server is just wrong. It, it's yeah. completely wrong. And so you have to um, pull it off of the original and IDS won't do it correctly. Uh, it ends up putting in these corrupted values and you get these really weird problems if you try to do it the, the OE way. And these are brand new BCMs from Ford. Now, one of them, According to IDS, the part number is wrong, um, and it is an updated part number, is what Ford said. According to their you know parts catalog, it superseded the one that was in there, but IDS kicks it back, so you can't do the PMI. And there's a portion of the PMI; something in there has to be done in order for it to satisfy a configuration code. Like it won't I've, clear I've that had out that before, and. Uh... The only thing that I did at that time, I think I told the customer to return the part back and we looked up the same part number on eBay. We found one new on eBay and we bought it and it was good to go. Yeah, the shop ended up finding a used one and we were pretty much able to just do a one for one clone on that thing. But yeah, um, yeah a lot of a lot of screwing around and the keys were fighting me too. And so it's just been, it's been a fun week. It, it's just the way it goes doing this mobile thing, I though, guess you know? You had, yeah, when you had that super, you probably thought of, you know what, is it time to, to rent a shop? Do you think a part <laughs> well, of it you're doing at mobile? It's one of the things that I'm definitely considering is the environment. And I've tried several different positions within this shop, but they only have so many options for yeah. where this vehicle can be placed. And so... You know, I was, I was talking to Matt Fonslow today. I'm like, the frustrating part about this is that it's very difficult for me to remove a variable with certainty, right? Like I can say, well, I think it's the lighting. Let me change yeah. the lighting. But did I, did I fix it? I don't know. I told them to put in OE glass because they had aftermarket glass in there. They did. It's the yeah. same air. And and then Matt comes back. He's like, well, I had one that had bad OE glass. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, I thought I eliminated that. Um, yeah, I wish I wish if there was like a live data where or like parameters where like yes or, and no, where like a list you can go with a scan tool and look at it. They'll yeah. make it so easy. And I don't think it's hard to make, honestly. I, I don't think it's hard for the manufacturer. Like, look, we got all the way to... You know, if you want live data and, um, um, you know, doing testing on equipment and on on uh, modules and and cars, I don't think like making a list of hey, this is what you want to have all yeses in order to do the calibration. I don't right. know why they don't do it. Yeah, well, I think it'd be awesome, especially with these camera systems. I just want to plug something in and see what the camera sees. Like, why? Why is it? not seeing my target like is there some sort of distortion is there some sort of weird glare that i'm not seeing just yeah. let me plug in with my i don't know my tablet or my phone or something and and see the camera view but they don't they don't have anything like that so yeah. 
that's that's the main reason why I got a shop. I, okay. Uh, yeah, it was for the ADAS, strictly for the ADAS. And then, um, you know, you have a shop, why not? So, yeah. like we were talking about it today, uh, parasitic drain, I don't do them at the customer's location anymore. They have to drop it, either that or, you know, find somebody else. Or some other really complicated cases where I need time, I need... Uh, I need to focus. I know you like music around you when you work. I don't, <laughs> you know, I need, sure. I need, I need quietness. So yeah, I tell them to drop it. Usually I tell them, Hey, you know, you have to give me time. I don't want you to call me ever about the car. Next time I'll call you about it with updates. So those, yeah, I bring them plus the local people. Like if they want to bring it to the shop, yeah, why not? Okay. But it okay. helps. It helps a lot with your scheduling. Like this is how I do it. One day, like, one day I'll do all mobile and then probably two, three days, um, the whole day in the shop or probably okay. I'll go do programming in the morning and then go back to finish the rest at the shop. It helps how, a lot. How big of a shop is it? Uh, 1500 square feet. Okay. And you got yeah. lifts in there and everything. I, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the old tenant was a customer. So when he was about to leave, I bought the uh, compressor and the lift and a little office that I took down from him. Nice. Yeah, it helped. The uh, lift helped a lot. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I can I can only imagine. Yeah, not having a. But earlier earlier you were talking, but it's like my shop is long ways, so I have one 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 door, right? So when I mm. do the cameras or the radars, I back up the vehicle. I make it facing the front of the shop. So with cameras. I lower, I, I adjust lighting by lowering the, the gate. Sometimes I have to oh. go all the way, yeah. And I have two switches for lightings, two two zones for lightings. That's how I adjust adjust the lighting for the camera. And it, and it never failed, never failed. Probably one time that I didn't close the gate all the way down and it failed because of lightings other than that. And with the radars, it's the opposite. I just opened the, the metal gate because it would... Uh, interfere with the with the target okay okay yeah i had a um i was doing a round of view uh, calibration for a hyundai today and i was fighting the lighting in the shop because they had this big bay door open and it, the sun wasn't even shining in it wasn't on that side of the shop but there was just enough of a glare on the mats when they yeah. were laying on the floor that it couldn't see it so so we tried closing the door but it's it's the door is just all glass panels so oh, nice. <laughs> it didn't change it at all so i had to set yeah. up like cardboard pieces uh on, on the garage door in order for it to get the glare away but yeah stuff like that's been interesting to kind of figure out but like you say yeah having a dedicated space that you know is going to work for the environment of these things that would be that would be huge so now you got yeah, me I'm, thinking um i'm um uh... I'm planning hopefully to find somebody, a, a helper, not a tech, mm. a helper that would um, pick up and drop off vehicles for ADAS calibration. Okay. Uh, reason why there's a lot of competition around me and uh, prices are ridiculous. People do like glass people do ADAS jobs for 200, 250, 300. So I'm thinking to uh, provide convenience rather than drop the price you understand sure. what I'm saying? yeah and um 
you know it, i think it would I, everybody i talk to they say it's a great idea they they would even go with me even if if they have to pay more so we'll you're see uh, you're down in texas right what what part of texas yeah near dallas okay okay yeah, a little town called kennedy uh, okay uh, how yeah. long you been there two years okay i'm originally from philadelphia Oh, okay. Yeah, moved to Texas uh, two years ago. Little, a uh, little bit of a weather change there, huh? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> if you look at it, I'm originally from the Middle East, so <laughs> it's, it's like I'm going back to my roots here in, in Texas. It's more at home, yeah. Yeah. When uh, when I was about to to come to the states, my anchor, who it's like a sponsor, but they call it an anchor because he doesn't pay anything. Uh, my anchor was in Philadelphia, so I was like, okay, so I'm going to Philadelphia. I haven't heard anything about it. Let me Google it. So I Google it, you know, I read a little bit about it, and then I was like, let me go pictures. And so what I see the pictures, <laughs> the first pictures that pop is this, the snow. I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> no, I'm moving. I'm moving to California. <laughs> but when I came to Philadelphia, and the first time snowed, I think I uh, arrived on August but the first winter, like around Christmas, oh my God, like the the spirits and and actually when it snowed, it's not it's not cold. It's it's warm. It's it's after the snow. That's when it gets cold, you know. Yeah, right. So I liked it. I really liked it. Well, I stayed there since two thousand and nine till two years ago. Awesome. So okay, so you moved over to the states from Iraq. How how old were you at that point? What was the yeah. What what was the reason for moving here? What oh, what drew I, you uh, this way? I worked as an interpreter with the troops for about five years, um, from two thousand three, from the war, like a week after the war. I'm probably the first local national that was hired as an interpreter. Okay. Um, yeah, I worked between two thousand three, two thousand eight, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. As an interpreter with the troops, I worked for a, uh, uh, like private companies in the green zone, and then I worked as a an interpreter also slash officer in a anti-terrorism unit. Okay, that that's the last job that I did for the U.S. Uh, government in Iraq. So we we were we were like wanted over there, like you know our names was because we're, we're the people that helped the invader, whatever you want mm, to call it. To, I see. Okay. Yeah. So everybody was looking, looking for us. They, they, they want to, you know, I got shot at, I got blown up, I got oh, displaced from, from, from home for like three, four times. Um, we didn't own a house. We, we rented all the time. Um, my cousin got killed. My other cousin, the she got kidnapped. They asked for a ransom, and then we didn't hear anything about her. Oh, uh, at that time, at that time, the government, U.S. government, were preferred to hire people that have relatives already working for the for 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 the coalition forces, and um, so it was automatic for me to, you know, my brothers, my cousins, and get everybody involved. The pay was good. And 
in 2003-2004, it wasn't as bad as it got after 2005 with the sectarian violence. But mm. yeah, I know I know Americans, 2003, they used to come and just take the bus and go in Baghdad and just go shopping, do whatever. But after that, no, it got ugly. So then the U.S. government, 2008, I think they approved what's called SIV, Special Immigration Visa, for those that help the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. Okay. And I applied for it, and I was overqualified because they needed 12 months, and I had five years. So I got accepted. Like, I was number 67 out of 5,000 every year they had for that. And uh, uh. my plan was to come here, honestly. <laughs> I looked at it financially. My plan was to come here to have a plan B, of course, to escape if anything is going to happen. Plus, at that time, I had the chance to apply for my whole family to come here. But I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to go back then because they used to pay local nationals. Look at it this way: probably local national pay is tenth what a U.S. citizen or green card holder would pay. So I was like, you know what? Let me go get my green card in one month and come back to Iraq. But the problem is Obama got elected at that time. And okay. the first thing he did, he withdrew most of the troops from Iraq. So companies over there were not taking green card holders anymore. They were taking only U.S. citizens. I'm like, okay, so I'm in the States. <laughs> Let me find something to do. And what else? I mean, I, I was doing translation. So I found a job in the University of Pennsylvania to do annotation, translation, uh, language pro uh, projects for Google and some other companies. And um, I really wanted to finish my master's and my PhD in the University of Pennsylvania, but the problem is fund. I didn't have no money. So uh -huh. my plan was to stay there as a part-timer as long as I can until they have, uh, they have a position you know, to hire full-time. Mm -hmm. And remember, we're, we're still 2008, 2009. The economy is really bad. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's a rough nobody time. Had, yeah, nobody had positions for anything. But after, I think, two years, two, three years, they had a position. And I think 30 people applied for that position, including myself. We got interviewed, and again, they dropped the position because of the funding. But unfortunately, I, I, I received an email from like the manager over there, whatever she was, and uh, she said, I was the person that got chosen for the, for, the, for the position, but unfortunately, because of funding, they had to drop it. Oh. That really like, <laughs> put a dent in me, you know, because yeah. that was the door for me to finish what I had planned, that, and... That's when I said, you know what, that's it. I'm not staying one day over there anymore. So I okay. quit and I started looking for a job. And ironically, <laughs> I had a Volkswagen Passat at that time, 2000 Volkswagen Passat that had a check engine light that I was <laughs> trying so hard. Now, we're talking about a guy that never changed a battery of a car in his whole life. Okay. I went to dollar store and I bought $20 or $25 
Chinese kit like has some wrenches and some screwdrivers that you use them one <laughs> sure. time and they break. And I started going Saturday, Sunday, I don't have any work, so I go to the junkyard. So me going to the, and because I suck at it, I don't have money to, to take it to a mechanic. And so again, I suck, so I have to go more than one time and open more, throw at it more, more than one port to see if sure. I can fix the check engine light. <laughs> and me going over there, a lot of times I, you know, just saying hi to people, be be nice to them. And uh, so when I quit from the university, I was there one weekend and I was talking to that junkyard owner and he was like, oh, so you quit? I was like, yeah, I quit. I'm looking for a job, temporary uh-huh. job. He said, well, I'm looking for somebody that, you know, does mail and, you know, dispatch. I was like, okay, I'll take the job. You know, mm-hmm. I need the money. I end up staying with him for eight years. Okay. <laughs> That's not okay. I was looking for a temporary job. <laughs> but I liked what I liked what I, what was going on in the junkyard. I uh, I knew it, it it's the same feeling that I felt when I when I got introduced to doing elevators. I did elevators for about 9 years or 10 years I think back in Iraq. Okay. And that was the same feeling, you know, it's a new field, you don't you know nothing about it. Cars was the same thing. New field, you know nothing about it. Um let me put it this way. We started a, I started working for a dude. We were paying to um what was it? 25 25 two, two, no, 2500 a month rent. When I quit, he bought the whole property for $4 million. Oh, wow. There was a lot going on in that junkyard, and a lot changed. Um, yeah, so we used to buy 30 cars every day. Okay. That was yeah, our average, 20, 20, 30 cars every day. We wow. had six six tow trucks, and uh, out of those 20, 30 cars every day, so many of them, I ask them, what's wrong with it? I used to be dispatch. I used to. Um, try to whatever makes the money so mm-hmm. uh, we ask them what's wrong with it they say well engine locked and then when we get there we just cut the the alternator belt and the car runs and drive <laughs> you know, sure. AC compressors jam so that's we, we started developing it from scrapyard to parts to fixing vehicles and sell them to a, a lot of things, a lot of a lot of departments. We started opening in that junkyard. I mean, imagine okay. we 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 used to rent a small portion of it. You know, he ended up buying it for four million dollars. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, wow. it is. It is. That's that's how I, you know, got introduced to automotive. Okay, Again, I never knew anything about it, but uh, I really liked it. I started watching because. A part of my, it wasn't my job, but I, I wanted to do it myself. I used to sell engines and transmissions on eBay, and I wanted to compression test every engine and uh, write, write them down and put them in my po- and my listing on eBay. So I had to watch videos. I had to learn how things work um, in order to be able to have answers to all these questions that I have. That's how I know. Uh, scanner danner and uh, all the other good you know big big names started sure. following these and then you know when a snap on truck stops outside you cannot help it like everybody's buying well, what's <laughs> wrong with you man 
I started yeah. buying, you know, some stuff. I found a Snap-on Veris Pro. Uh, it was outdated. I updated it. And I uh, bought an Autel 906TS. I had some stuff to, to play around with to use them. Yeah. Un- yeah, until COVID uh, hit. That was when uh, my wife... We, we we just had a baby, so I told the owner, I was like, listen, I, I don't want to bring COVID to my family, so I'm going to take a break. Mm-hmm. He was going to let like three three guys to, to go because of the the economy. I'm yeah. like, no, let me go because I know I you know my pay is more than these guys, so leave them, let them let them stay working and I can go and even if I'm at home, I can I can still help over the phone. I just don't want to bring complications to the family right and that's that's when i started you know just going to friends and family and uh, you know checking their cars i had i had some cars to sell also at, uh, on the side i was working on them I, I was never a company when i was in philadelphia okay that's so we were i was i was at home for like a year a little over a year so we decided now we have kids and Philadelphia unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't that great city for to raise your kids anymore so mm. we decided to move to Texas we had other uh families friends they moved here to Texas and they like it so it was like you know what let's go spend covid over there if we like it we stay if we don't like it we just go back you know mm-hmm. i know the dude he's going to take me every you know whenever i go back he's going to take me and uh, he understood you know he was supportive Okay. That's when we moved here. And um, again, I was honestly, when we moved here, I was looking to open a junkyard. Another oh, area. Okay. Oh, huh? <laughs> sure, I was, sure. Yeah. I wanted to open a junkyard, but I didn't have the funds to do that. Because I, 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 I know every little detail about the, about a junkyard, how to run a junkyard successfully, how to sell the parts, you know, what, what breaks in the cars and yeah, so, how do you even start one? Like, you just have to buy a bunch of broken cars at one time, or yeah, I, I guess I yeah, don't even know how yeah, they begin. Yeah, there's there's city auctions. There's uh, the you know Copart IA. There's uh, you just make advertisement in uh, in the uh, local newspapers, uh, and you just buy cars. And okay. believe it or not, in in Philadelphia, like our, the main source of our cars were coming from a guy. A guy that used to sit at home and he has five or six ads in uh, paper, uh, newspapers and online and people just call him and he referred the car to us and we pay him 25 or $50, depends on how many Cadillac converter the car has. Okay. Yeah. So, but that didn't work because it needs a lot of money. Plus here in Texas, they making it hard for the people to, to start Anything with automotive, I don't know why. Hmm. Like in Arlington, the, the the city that I live in, they they don't. If if you have a a an uh, auto sales license mm-hmm. and expires, they don't they don't renew it for you anymore. Huh. You have to find somewhere else. Yeah, some people wow. say it has something to do with the World Cup because the stadium here is going to be hosting some of the games for the World Cup. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Mm. I think because automotive uh, businesses, especially uh, car dealers, they 
a lot of them they deal with a a lot of cash, and so the city is not making any taxes from them. Oh, okay. there is a lot of them, and 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 it's bringing a bad reputation to, especially with all the the theft and yeah, and and, and a lot well, of people a lot of people getting killed because of a car. I don't know how yeah. is it over there, but here it, it happened. I had a customer actually. He went to uh, repo a car. He got killed, unfortunately. Ugh. He was a good customer Yikes. too. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I guess I I'm pretty lucky. I I'm near the Twin Cities, and there's some places, some parts of the cities down there that aren't the greatest. But um, I'm a little bit outside. I'm in the suburbs and the rural areas around and so i've been pretty lucky with that side of things but yeah like um one of our friends uh, a couple years back you know he was out doing key job and had a gun pulled on him and stuff so yeah it makes you think especially when you get diving into keys and anti-theft stuff for vehicles every day in philadelphia every day it's Uh, happening every day in philadelphia i have i have key guys friends still friends in philadelphia the other day he came with his dad and his brother because they're like four or five families over there they all came here they were trying to see what's going on here they they all want to move because they kidnapped his brother they took all his inventory and uh they wanted his brother to to uh make a key for that dot challenger and his brother was smart he's like i don't have the tool to do it my brother does so when he called him he gave him a hint in arabic on the phone oh. they, they, they told him call your brother let him come right now so he gave him a hint in Arabic, and the, the dude called the police, and the police went with him, and yeah, it was ugly. And wow. then they, you know, a couple of uh, teenagers pulled a gun on him. They took his six oh eight. It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, it's falling apart the city over there. Wow. Two days ago, they they stole my uh, my sister in law twenty seventeen uh, CRV, and last Jeez. week. Last week they stole the rims of my brother-in-law. <laughs> he had a 2018 Honda Accord. Oh, I keep man. telling them to move out, but people don't. Listen. Yeah, the the Kias and Hondas have been a big deal around here. As uh, there was, a the Calico motors are expensive. The CRVs and the Priuses are the most expensive among all cars. Mm, okay. Honda in general, but I I know the CRV. At that time, CRV was big money. CRV and the Prius, the Prius is the most expensive. I think they they got up to fifteen hundred for one for just, cat, just a Cadillac Converter. Yeah, if it's original, if it's aftermarket, wow. they don't pay you a hundred dollar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, yeah, the I can't believe how many uh, all keys lost that I've done for. Kia Hyundai stuff, and it's been tough to get some of the keys because they're so common for those things. You know, there's a lawsuit stolen. going on on them in yeah. New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know they're doing push button, or they're putting in anti-theft. Um, yeah, 23s and up, yeah, all of them. There's no yeah. more, I don't think there's more, no more bladed, no, no, anymore. Yeah, that's that's just that's absolutely crazy. Again, I'm I feel lucky where I'm at. I'm in a town of like 1,100 people, so it's very quiet up here, um, which I I enjoy quite a bit. But yeah, I'm down in the city sometimes, and you see that there was actually one of the shops I service. It's attached to a gas station, uh-huh. and somebody took their vehicle 
or it might have been a stolen vehicle, but they rammed it through the front doors of the gas station while it was closed and then went into the shop area, took all the keys and then stole a bunch of other vehicles from their lot for vehicles that were being worked on and stuff. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy what people are doing out there. My shop here is kind of between a suburbs, a country, southern part, and the city of Arlington, which is a big city with a, with a lot of shops. Believe it or not, I, I'd rather, like recently, I started going to the southern part where uh, there's a big fields, uh, less shops, but I know with less, those remote areas are safer, mm-hmm. um, less competition, and even the shops over there, they appreciate you when, when you show up. Yep. I 100% agree with that. And uh, like, there's some guys that run shops out of their pole barns up here. I'd say there's quite a few because it's so spread out. It's so low population when you go north where I'm at. But they're awesome people and they're doing great work. And I, like you say, they appreciate you because they don't have a whole lot of other options. There's yeah. not a ton of dealers around. There's not a bunch of other mobile guys rolling around so uh, there's actually some really good relationships with those guys running you know just small time shop but i mean they know what they're doing so so i got no problem working with them so yeah when i came here um i went to visit a friend who who used to live in philadelphia he's a mechanic and i just wanted to say hi you know spend some time and he was like oh since you're here we have this lexus we just put an engine in it and it's not working like Okay, I I cannot right now. I can come for it tomorrow. I had nothing to do. I was just sitting at home studying the the city. I was going to the city hall, reading more about the laws of junkyard. So I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, it's a bug. I can make money. So I went over there. It's the fuse that feeds all the injectors was blown. I'm like, okay, you know, here's it. It's working now. It's like, okay, since you're here, we have this... Uh, uh, Range Rover that we bought it from the auction, da 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 da. Half of the engine is missing in in the trunk. I don't know. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do with it? Like, you know, spend some time. I'm like, okay. And I fixed that for them. And they had another one with the airbag. I fixed that for them. And I never intended to do what I'm doing right now. Honestly, I, okay. I just wanted to stick to my plan. You know, I wanted to open a junkyard it doesn't even have to junkyard you can open a little store and start dismantling vehicles and if you're smart enough know how, where to sell the parts you you'll be able to grow from there that's what that was my plan but like all all i know all of a sudden people started calling me from nowhere like hey we heard you you fix cars we have this problem this electric problem okay i was like okay i have nothing to do let me go see what's going on with it, you know <laughs> And it started like that. Uh, I'm like, what? Am I doing this now? <laughs> Nothing Just wrong with it. I mean, I love it. <laughs> I love it. But the problem is, the problem is, I loved electronics when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That was my dream to be to 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 have a degree in electric and electronics. It didn't. It didn't happen for many reasons. But right now, I I have a family. I have a wife and three kids. And I cannot just chase my dreams, you know. I am responsible for other people, so I have to put them in front of me when I make decisions. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I saw what I'm doing or what, what the people are calling me for. It's making money. I mean, I wanted to open a junkyard to make money and secure my, my kids' future. But if what I love to do is making money and can secure their future, yeah, why not? That's why I, I never wanted to come here and open my company. You understand what I'm saying? My goal sure. was make money and you know buy a house, make him make him live in a in a mm-hmm. in a good environment. That was my goal. So I you know I started doing it and people started calling me. But again, I I have I have a little experience. I used to fix my cars and my friends and some other mechanics cars. I never went to training. I never went to school for it. I studied engineering for two years, but that was that had nothing to do with cars. You know, it was I I know what's a uh, Ohm's law. I know the laws. I I went to school. I, I graduated high school. I have a degree in translation that has nothing to do with cars. So that was that was kind of obstacle for me. Like I wanted to do it, but at the same time, I know those are big responsibility. Those cars, people's cars. I don't want to go guessing. Right. So what I what I what I started doing. Of course, I I didn't do any company. I didn't have any business card it was just my phone number being spread somehow i don't know how so what i started doing my last job was in philadelphia my salary i was like okay so i have to make this this much a day if i can mm-hmm. make it doing easy stuff like wire and repair uh, and then learn while i go i can probably expand my knowledge I can take hard jobs and leave them to the end of the month when I achieve my goals. So I have like, okay. a, yeah, I have a number. If I make that number, I will go to, to do hard cases. And that's what I did. I used to work two, three, two, three days on a car. I swear, two, three days on a car without solving the problem. But during those two, three days, you don't know how many videos I watch. You don't know how many PDFs I download. You don't know how many things I do. And I do it carefully because at the end of the day, those are vehicles that I supposed to fix, not ruin. You know, nowadays I go to vehicles that probably a person like me before, like <laughs> the past Ali went to and screwed so much, so much. And I come to clean up after him. Yeah. I was, you know, I know I did it a couple of times, but I'm, I was trying to avoid doing it. And when I, when I hit a roadblock, I just say, Hey man, I'm sorry. I couldn't fix it. You know, hopefully I can help you the next one and Mm -hmm. just leave without getting paid for, you know, I don't know how many hours I used to do, to do in every one of them. Sometimes I succeed and it's a joy for me because I learned so much. Yep. And so Diag, mostly people call for Diag. You know, they don't give you easy stuff. They give you hard stuff. Right. And and some months I wasn't even making my goals. So, but at the same time, I want to learn. I cannot just go do headlights and like stupid stuff that's not going to take me nowhere. Yep. But by time I, I was achieving my goals and I was learning. And so I can say that I, my, my success rate started going up. I started seeing that at the end of the month, I was making uh, money, extra money. Mm-hmm. So I was hitting a problem where I cannot finish a job because I don't do any programming. So I'm like, oh. you know what? I think it's time to to invest in some programming equipments. That's when I um, 
had my wife's school laptop. I, I, she, she wasn't using it because she took a break from school. So I took it and I used it as my programming laptop and I bought a car deck. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I started with the easy ones, you know, Ford, Chevy, Toyota, Honda, and uh, I never touched a Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> still don't touch a mercedes <laughs> yeah that's smart that's yeah. smart but uh, and then after that i i had another obstacle now of course that programming gig I, it got developed like right now if if you look at it from that car deck with my wife's laptop right mm -hmm. now i have five laptops i have every vci for every manufacturer except sentry Okay. And a lot of them multiple. I have like the Ford, I have all three Fords, one, two, three. Nice. Uh, GM, I have two. Uh, Volvo, I have. I have all of them. Um, so I, I started making money and buying more VCIs, making money, and then I go yearly instead of by event. Sure. Uh, but again, I had another uh obstacle which was the keys I, some jobs i couldn't finish because i didn't i wasn't doing keys so that's when i bought the 608 and 608 was so helpful in doing programming keys right but yeah that's a heck of a tool for that look at, look at it this way i am still on a journey uh what was it last month i bought my first key machine i haven't used it yet <laughs> but right now What's, i do <laughs> what kind did you get the dolphin uh oh. Nice. Uh, version 2, I think, or I forgot the model, but they had a sale on it, so I jumped on it right away. Nice. Yeah, you'll like it. I have the older one, but um, it's uh, it's been a fantastic little tool for me. For what I need, it's knocked it out of the park with very little uh, obstacles. How's the battery in... life on it? It's pretty good. Now, I say that as like, I'll maybe do at the most four or five keys in a day because it's not the main part of my business. Um, and, but it holds up just fine. You know, I have it so it gets plugged in every night, but I've never had a run out of battery. So yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. That's, it's been, it's been really good. And like I say, usually when something doesn't work, it's operator error as opposed to something, you know, wrong with the actual machine, but yeah. the interface is really nice. And the, it it's it's been it's yeah, been a it's great easy, addition yeah. yeah i watched some some videos on it and uh i was able to calibrate it uh i was gonna actually buy two keys for my van and uh, i have two vans i wanted to make duplicates for those just to you know try them out what kind of vans you got uh i got a 15 for transit connect and 2024 transit connect Okay. Are those the yeah. Tibby style keys? Uh, the uh, the twenty twenty is the flip. The one look like the Mustang one. Oh, okay. And the uh, the fifteen is the 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 model before. Like the uh, is it? I think it's a four button key. Uh, actually, it's okay. Me. Yeah, it's a four button key. It doesn't look like the old Jaguar style. Keys no, the, no, 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 no. Okay. That's that's All the right. first generation of the Ford yeah. Transit Connect. That's, that's what a, I have. That's one of the reasons why I didn't buy that van. Yeah, <laughs> I I bought the Tibby jaw for it, and my I have two of those connects, and it's the only 
uh, tibby keys that I've actually made with it. And I'm kind of glad because that is a ridiculous process to cut one of those keys. And I had looked to see what a locksmith would charge for a tibby key. And it's like 300 some dollars for one key. I was like, really? But then I went through the process. I'm like, oh, I get it now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's really cool, man. That's, that's a heck of a story. Uh, you know, to uh, I, I have a lot of respect for anybody who goes to another country. Um, obviously, I mean, you had the advantage of speaking the language, but still um, just coming across the world to a completely different place and bringing your family with. I mean, did you when you left Iraq, did you still have family that stayed over there? Uh, once oh, yeah. you left or you, I imagine you still have family now that lives yeah, there. Yeah, what? my whole family over there. But the oh. the problem they didn't they, everybody's attached to my mom and my mom okay. is attached to her sisters. <laughs> she didn't want to come here. Okay. I don't blame okay. her. Life here sucks. It's so boring. It's routine kills. Uh okay, look at it this way. The other day uh, I visit every three years. Every time I have a baby, when when they're like one year old, I go to Iraq. You know, so my family, my mom, they you know see the baby. Mm-hmm. So the other day it was Fourth uh, of July. So we were doing nothing. I was like, you know what? I told my wife, you know what? Let's you know let's go out. Let's see let's see some fireworks. Take the kids out. Mm-hmm. So I took them out, and we were we were riding at night. And my 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 daughter said, "Oh, it feels like Iraq tonight." Mm. Because over there they used to go almost every night. My brother would take him out, go either eat something or do something or whatever. So l- life over there starts at night. Oh, okay. Here, here it's it's different. So that's why when my mom said no, I I, I didn't want to didn't want to push her. To come here. The only reason why I wanted her here, honestly, because uh, health insurance. Mm, Other okay. than that, it's it's way better for her to stay over there with 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 everybody. How long of a flight is that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's no straight flight. Two flights. One of them is uh, twelve hours, thirteen hours, and the other one is. Two and a half hours, three hours. So probably sixteen hours in, oh, man. in total. Wow. Yeah. I don't I mind be... it. Like I, I'm I'm used to it. I, I watch two or three uh, movies. Yeah, I love it. Kids too. My 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 daughter the other day, she was like, This is the best day ever because junk food and 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 <laughs> and, and, and a TV movies. for like ten hours. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Extended tablet time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I might be going to Australia in the spring and that will be, if I go, the longest flight by far that I've ever taken. How so, many hours is going to be? I don't even know, but I've never been, the farthest I've been outside of the U.S. is Mexico. So that's like uh, from that's where I'm at. The, that's not outside the state. <laughs> right, right. If you're, if you're in Texas, that's in the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was maybe maybe five, six hour flight from where I'm at. That's the longest I've ever done. And I'm not a big I'm not a big flyer. I don't I don't love it. And the older I get, the less I like it because I'm listening to all the 
the mechanical things on the plane. I'm like, well, what if that can bus goes down? What's going to happen? You know, <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I was presented with an opportunity, uh, to, to go to Australia and I, I'm going to do it just because and it's like, how often do you get a chance to go to another part of the world like that and experience it? So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing about automotive, the, uh, when I was a customer, we always looked at mechanic, mechanic like mechanics and mechanic shops, and um, they are the hero of the day. They are the ones that fix the car. They make the car from not running to cranking. Um, if if I can go back in time, honestly, I would take every AST, a, a, ASE certificate. I would go to every school possible to learn this industry. Unfortunately, I like I'm 43 years old. I have kids. I am planning to take uh, uh, every training. I'm, I'm going to ASTE. Oh, nice! I went to the last two uh, uh, divisions, and uh, I was gonna the first year. I was gonna go to Super Saturday because it was right there in Philadelphia, but they canceled sure. it because of COVID. Yeah. So again, yeah, if if I have a chance, like if, if I can go back in time, I would definitely go, if, if I'm here in the States, because back in Iraq, you know, the system is different. Here, you can you can go and then you can pay your tuition later. You can take a loan. Over there, there was no loan. Either you pay up front or that's it. So yeah, I would definitely go, go to school. I would definitely take those certificates. Uh, yeah, what up? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You can finish. No, no, I say I, I envy people that had the time to spend on the academic part of this industry. I don't. Yeah. That's can... every, I know a lot of friends are, are going to be listening to this podcast. So if, if you hear me or <laughs> see me writing something stupid in one of these groups, so I apologize up front, you know. <laughs> I'm trying my best to catch up with everybody, but I, I can say I'm glad, I'm lucky that I'm surrounded by really smart people, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's definitely a key part of it for, for, for myself, for sure. And a lot of other people is having that strong network to support because otherwise, boy, you're going to hit so many roadblocks and not know what to do. Definitely, or, yeah. I appreciate yeah. everybody telling me, no, that's wrong. I'm not in those groups, so I can't get a like a a like smiley or a heart smiley on a picture or on a comment. No, I I want people to correct me all the time because without correcting me, I wouldn't be what I am right now, honestly. Yeah, I I've always found it's really interesting because uh, I've been I've been doing this as a career since I started. I mean, I was already fixing cars in high school and then as soon as I got out. And so I've been around this a long time and I've always found it really interesting. The people who can just hop in and within a couple of years, you know, they're, they're up to speed and they're doing really impressive things throughout the industry. And I've, I've met a handful or more than a handful, a number of people over the years that were like that. I'll never forget one guy I worked with at a shop I was probably about five, six years in and I was hitting my stride as a tech and he was an accountant. Like that was his job mm -hmm. for 
for his whole career. And then he had some life changes and whatever. And he ended up working at this shop. It's just, he had to take a job and this and that. And I was kind of tasked with helping him, you know, here's how the tires come off. Here's all the brakes work sort of thing, you know, just real basic stuff. But man, this guy, he picked it up like that. And he just, he just ran with it. He was a really good tech within a short period of time. And that's not everybody. Like I've seen the opposite too, where people do this for years and years and years and still really like, it doesn't come naturally. They struggle with it. Um, but the, the people that can pick it up and just go with it, or, that's, that's really impressive to me. And, and I mean, like what you're saying within you probably, just a few look, years. You, you are probably on the other side. You are the person that uh, s- spent blood and sweat on it. And you look it takes me a really long time to learn something. That's the problem. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, but on this side, on like from a person that started, technically I've been in business for two years. If you mm-hmm. want to look at it, honestly, I've been in business for two years, but it will be always not the same. Always not the same to me. You know, when I see these 30 years old, 35, 40, whatever, younger than me, they have achieved what it is. Uh, no matter what I do, it will be, it will not feel the same as them. That's just probably just my feeling. I don't know. And, 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 and it is true. It is true. Like when you spend 10 years in, you cannot compare somebody that spent two years to 10 years in, in a business. Uh, we had a joke about it the other day. I call them, I'm a non-combat soldier. Okay. <laughs> You know, they, they are the, you guys are the real soldiers that went to training camps and went to the battle and got shot and got wounded. And, uh, you know, I'm just a guy that just got hired two years ago. I haven't seen a a battle yet. I, I have been in battles, you know, but Mm -hmm. they're not as long as your battles. You understand what I'm saying? Right. But I mean, you're making it work and you have every VCI for every car, right? Like just that doesn't mean anything. Everybody, you know, everybody with money can, by the way, I started with $5,000. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, you made it, you made it work and you're making it work. And that's, that's really impressive to me for anybody that can do that. Um, And I mean, Here's the thing for, for me personally, no matter how long I do this, whatever I venture into next, I have that like imposter syndrome. Like, yeah, what am I doing here? Like, I don't, uh, I'm not a business owner. What the heck am I doing? And I, I do have to remind myself like, okay, well, you're doing it. So I guess you are a business owner, but I get yeah. that. I get that imposter feeling all the time uh, on new things that I'm venturing into. I got I don't know if that's normal for everybody, but it sure is for me. I listen. I listened to your comment the other day in one of your podcasts. I'm trying to catch up, by the way. I haven't listened to all of them, but um, you were talking about you know the the, the time when you uh, um, when you bought the van. You know how how the feeling is different. How you felt. You know what? Yeah, it's happening. I can, you know, I see the company is forming. The, the shape of a company is forming. It's different when you buy the first van. It's different. I started with a, again, my wife's Honda Civic, 2016 Honda Civic, the trunk. But mm-hmm. it was different when you buy the van. It was different when you get the, when you sign the first lease. It was different when you hire somebody. It's yeah. always different, you know. It's good different. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's really cool to see it grow and expand, and it's lots of hard work, but it is a really cool feeling. Um, I was I was just mentioning I I hired a guy to help me with like the phones and the books and scheduling and stuff like that. But we got three of us now, and so you know we had it's lunch team, the yeah. other day. Yeah, I was like, this is a team. Yeah, let's go team. <laughs> although, although in English two is a team, in Arabic two is not a team. <laughs> Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, in Arabic, two is a duel. Two. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but you guys are a team now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah, what three you, of what, us. What you guys are doing, what other people, you know, I was, you know, if you want to be smart, just surround yourself by smart people. So if you want to be successful, surround yourself by s- successful people. So when I see your success is my success, I know when I'm around you, when I'm around X and Y and Z. I don't want to mention any names. I don't want to get any upset. Like, oh, you forgot about me. No, everybody is successful to me. I'm I'm the bottom of the list. This is how I look at it, honestly. I'm at the bottom of the list. And I want to achieve everything, everything that the people, you know, above me achieved. You know, that's how I look at it. Yeah, seeing others do something, you know, make improvements or make progress or moves within you know, whatever their business or whatever they're doing, it, it's inspiring. And I know I can point to a number of examples where I probably either wouldn't have done something in my business or it would have taken me a lot longer to like build up the courage to do something if I hadn't seen one of you guys do Other it. People, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you bought that shop and you're doing ADOS calibrations in that. Like, that's that's really cool. Now I'm going to start thinking about something like that. Um, and it's so inspiring to see other people that you interact with on a regular basis be successful. Um, so uh, it's, that's a key part of it, I think, is getting that group of people you together. Have, and, I think in business, you have to have guts. Yeah. You have to have guts. You have to you know get fear away you, you, your money can't can't have a shy money if if you if if your money is going to be shy i don't think you're going to make it or you're going to be you're going to be questioning your whole life should i should i spend that money should i rent it that should i do you know mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. no you have you have to go for it what it is whatever it is you know you have yep. to go for it you have to buy it believe it or not like uh, like the first year I didn't even believe myself when I when I looked at the end of the year and I spent 140k. Right. What one one person, one vehicle, no shop, 140k. What was I doing? You know. Yeah. yeah. You have to in this business. You have to spend to get. Yeah, my uh, my spending habits for the business are wildly different than my personal life <laughs> i'm yeah, i'm too. fairly conservative when it comes to my my personal finances but it's been especially i mean it's been growing for me the last few years but it's been so different the spending there because it's like okay do i need this you know am i getting calls about this all right let's buy it and and then there's a lot of purchases where i'm just kind of like just like uh, right let's do it let's get it ordered <laughs> and then once i have that that tool and I'm actually using it. Uh, it's like, I'm, I'm never looking back. Like this is part of my business. Now I need this. Yeah, it's required yeah, to do my daily stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a little bit of thought that obviously should go into it. Like 
you know, can I make money with this? But I think it's, it's relatively easy to figure that out. And if the answer is yes, okay, well, why not? Let's get it coming. Let's make it happen. See, this is how I look at it. With the spread of internet, YouTube, training, um, groups, Facebook groups, or any other social media groups, um, it's right now you have you have to be the person that can do it. It's it's not a matter of making money or not at this moment, especially in the first years of your business. You have to make your goal that I'm the person that can do it. You know, I'm the mm-hmm. person with Flex, with IO, with the KTEC, with the KESS, with the, did I mention IO? Yes, I did. With the uh, ACDP, what else? Uh, you know, I'm the person that can do it. Yep. And then money will come. Money will come. Mm-hmm. Just just have this goal. I'm the person that can do it. Yep. Like right now when I go uh when I go to new shops, the other day was my first day go and hand cards in two years. And uh so when I go inside I'm like uh I know people people they don't like strangers, they don't like hey, you know, why are you talking to me, man? Just make it short. Like so I'm trying to make it as short as possible, but then drag them into be you know, into an interesting conversation to them as a business owners. So I always start, I don't tell them I do Ford, Chevy, whatever. No, I tell them, basically, I do everything the dealer does, and I do everything the dealer doesn't do. 85% of them are like, what do you mean? You know, they wanted me to say more. So now I got their interest now. Okay. Okay, like, and then I explain to them what, Everything the dealer does, I do ADAS calibration program and whatnot. I use um, OE tooling and software, not Chinese. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do everything that the dealer doesn't do. And the reason why they don't want to do it because they want to sell you a part. I don't, I don't want to sell you a part. I just want to finish the job. I just want to fix the car for you. So if you have a used module, uh, you cannot find one, a new one, back order, just call me. This is my business card. You know. That's perfect. So, so yeah, I'm the person that does it. You know. Yeah, and then then your name gets spread around like crazy, like you were saying. Just all of a sudden, everybody's got your number. And hey, I heard you helped out so and so. You know, with this problem, I've got that problem too, or I've got another problem. And the more that you're able to do, the more that's going to happen. Um, I, I've said before, I've done very little marketing for my, uh, for my business. It's just been, you know, word of mouth of, yeah, Hey Sean, I'll take care of this. Um, and, and like you said, part of that is getting that tool that's going to do maybe that one job, right? Yeah. That one used module job. And that's why I bought this relatively expensive tool, but it, it gets me in the door with a place, right? Like, They've called, you know, four other places that can't clone this module. They can't get this UCCM to work in this whatever. Um, now I can do it and yeah, put on a friendly face and all that stuff. But then then maybe they'll call me for that easy one. They just need to get knocked out. Like, oh, hey, okay, yeah. we can get Sean in here. And then, then you could start. I mean, like GM, Ford, Chrysler, Nissan, those are my big money makers for programming. And Correct. most of that stuff that I do, some of it's. You know, there's always the oddball, but most of it's very straightforward. 
but a lot of those shops I got in the door by a specialty job, something that's a little unique or, you know, cloning that wind module over yeah. or doing, doing something that like you say, the dealer Others or other felt, people aren't yeah. able to do. The dealer, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a package. I think it's a package. It, it, the core of it, if is, if you can do it or not, that's the core of it. But if, mm-hmm. if you, you know, of course, other other things like you have to be nice to people. Your prices has to be reasonable. Yep. Um, you have to answer phone calls. You have to, uh, of course, at show the same up on time, time. Yeah, show up on time. Um, um, be firm on your answers. You know, be confident on your information that you provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, the, the 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 main the main thing is if you can do the job because if you, if you can't, the other stuff is secondary. The main thing right. is if you can do the job. Yeah, you can be the friendliest person around yeah. with the best yeah, prices, right. yeah, but if you can't, <laughs> no, they're not calling you again. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen I've seen people I've seen shops that fired people, fired technicians or mobile people just because they're assholes. You know. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. I, yeah, I think some guys are so good at what they do and they know it that they're kind of assholes to people just because they know they can be. And I mean, Hey, you do, do whatever is right for you. I've always taken the approach of as long as the shop's treating me with respect, I'm going to do the same for them. Same thing, yeah. Um, and it's, it's that part of it has worked out really well for me. I believe too. Um, just, you know, forming some good relationships. Of course, you got to set up boundaries, you know, and, yeah, keep and it business. like you say, be, be firm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But just put in some some friendliness and respect in there, which I, I don't believe is that difficult of a thing to do. Um, and of course, yeah, you get, you get some you get some assholes out there, right there. <laughs> they own shops too. And so um, then, then it's on you to make a decision. Do I want to keep working with this person? But I don't know. In my experience, it's not the majority. The majority for me, and uh, maybe I'm just lucky. It's been it's been great relationships with shops. You you know what I what I also uh, felt. I don't know. This is my own my own opinion, but I think the joker on what we do is honesty. If 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 you're as a diagnostician or electric uh, electrician, whatever you want to call it. If you're honest with the shop, you're honest with the customer. That's you know that plays a big role. Even sometimes, many times, they will forgive you even if you cannot fix it. You'll be like, you know what? Don't worry about it, man. We just send it to the, you know, we just give it back to the customer. We just send it to the dealer, whatever. But honestly, is the one because this is this is how it is. If if you take in your car to a mechanic shop to change the engine or to change an alternator, I mean, you're going to see it physically that they change the engine or change the alternator. With electric, it's it's not like that. I know I, I record videos. I take pictures as as many as possible to prove what I'm, what I'm uh, billing for. Yep. But it's not like when they see a body shop fixed a fender or a mechanic changed the brakes. The electric sure. part is different. It's mm-hmm. 
you know no matter what you show them like hey look those are your data pids before and those are data pids after yeah that, that, that's that's not that's not the same as when when a mechanic or a body shop does something so to them if if you're if you're honest even if you did a mistake or if you're honest like let's say for example like uh, day before yesterday i went to a that was my second visit to a 19 uh what was this gmc sierra 19 gmc sierra and uh, i had called a transfer case control module and uh, the dc to dc sorry dc to dc uh transformer so they they uh, they got them they called me i went over there and i found out that the dc to dc transformer doesn't need programming okay yeah it's a plug and play just the gotcha. other one. charge them for one program and, and uh, there was a lot of diag with it the first visit so the brother was complaining a little bit about the the bill now his other brother that i deal with i was like look your brother has to look at the whole picture he doesn't have to look at just the number you cannot just look at the number because how many modules i was supposed to program for you he said two i was like Look at the invoice. See how many modules I I programmed for you. It's like, oh, one. Why? What's the other? The other one didn't need. So it's it's a package. You cannot just look at your part of the deal. You know, it's yep. a package. That's yep. that's how it is. I know there there's people. It's trust. You know, trust get built. You don't get people don't trust you in one day or one night. No. Yeah, uh, and of and course, I, correct decisions will will build that trust quickly. Yeah, it, right. Especially when it comes to the, like diagnostic stuff. Obviously, if you make the right calls all, over and over again, you can build that trust up. But yeah, with something like programming, it's almost mysterious to the person that's not doing it or the person that doesn't understand it. Like Sean's just there with a laptop. Is he actually doing anything? Is he just on Facebook the whole time? We don't know, right? And so, like you say, yeah, I've run into situations like, oh yeah, this module didn't need programming or... um this this module um, didn't need an update or whatever, and I, I try to be as honest with shops as I can. And I, so I, I'm I'm charging a show up fee now for stuff like that, as long as it wasn't me that told them that it needed yeah. that. If, you know, yeah. if they're requesting it and that situation, but it's not my full, you know, service fee. Of, you know, for programming a module and that that adds up. What I have found has been actually a little bit challenging is uh, the guy that's working for me. He, it was just me for the first, I don't know, uh, three, three ish, four ish years doing it. Okay. And then he hops in. And so I'm sending him to these places where it's just been Sean every single time. And they're very like hesitant and suspicious of what Steve has to say, especially for Diag. Right. And I had one shot that would call me every time after he programmed there's just like gm transmissions and then he called me and be like are you sure steve did it right i'm like yeah i'm sure steve did it right i was like your screenshots are in your invoice and everything i showed him how to do it and this and they, they were just they were very they were very always suspicious doubt him. of him they will always doubt him right right so well it's hopefully it's something where he can you know and i think he is building that trust up with shops too but i i found that pretty interesting when he when they he started will trust, out no, they will get to a point to trust him but they will not trust a one-year person the same yeah. level they trust a four-year person. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's normal, I suppose. But 
It is, yeah. So when you when you when you uh, rent in a shop, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look around and see what's available, what the cost is for me. It doesn't um, have to be crazy. Like you know, I got fifteen hundred square feet. Uh, my rent is fourteen hundred. Hmm. Yeah, that's not bad at all, actually. Oh. It would be nice. My uh, here's the one thing it would be really nice for is I want a bigger van. And it doesn't, nothing bigger would fit into my garage right now. The Transit Connect is as tall as it can be. And I can't have it outside at night in the wintertime. So I would, uh, so having a shop to park it at, that would be, that would be helpful for sure. Yeah, that would be, yeah. But so again, the shop is going to have to come before the van. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Start doing those, uh, those, Eight ass calibrations to pay for the van. Yeah, but believe me, the, sh- the shop will, will will be a big plus. I, I mean, if I have to choose between a big van and a and a shop, a shop is is definitely a a, a an improvement to the business. Sure. Uh, it was uh, Fonslow who was saying it's it's all just one big cycle, right? You start out as a tech in a shop and you're doing oil changes and you work your way up and you eventually quit and you get a mobile business and you get a van and then you, and then you come shop. and then you come back to the shop and then all of a sudden you're advertising oil changes to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever makes the money if you have somebody to do it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Look at it this way. I mean, the oil changes and the inspections, those are, you know, a bait. Mm-hmm. Who makes money from oil change, you know? Yeah, they're, loss they're leaders they're the for bait. sure. They're the bait. I mean, honestly, if I had a shop, I'll, instead of making, I'll, I'll probably come up with some, some kind of subscription for half at a price. Mm. Subscription for customers for half at a price oil change, like whatever oil change costs, I will I will do it for half at a price. As long as you come do it here. Okay. Okay. Then when they come, I punch the VIN number and all data. I see what, what's, uh, if any TSBs or recalls, I just print it, give it to them. If I make one, one, one job out of these lists, you know, I'm, I'm doubling my loss of that half of the oil change or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only problem is that then you get all the riffraff that's that's bottom dollar just trying to get the cheapest oil change possible. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean you know what I mean. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, and that I said if I never do another set of tires again, it'll be too soon. So there's there's no way I would have a tire machine. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Firestone for a long time, and yeah. I, I don't miss the wrenching. I really don't. I'll, I'll fix something here. Really? You know, on my van every once in a while or a family member's vehicle. And it's like, oh, it's kind of nice to get my hands dirty. But I'm like, I don't really miss it. <laughs> I don't know. I just did. I did so much of it. I'd work Firestone for, you know, eight to 10 hours. And I go home and I'd, I'd work on side work stuff at my house. And I, I think I just burnt myself out on the mechanical side of stuff. So I, I always had two jobs um, from high school, not, not high school from first year of college till 2009. When I, when I came to the States, mm-hmm. I always had two jobs. I only see my family half a day 
in a week. That's when I go give my mom money. And uh, she give me a lot of sugar tea. And so I can make dinner at night in my second job at night. Yeah, so I gave myself yeah, you know a the feeling. <laughs> I gave myself a, a break too. Yeah, yeah. I've been raised in a family since I was in college, so yeah, it's been fun. My life been fun. So, that's good. Whatever's going on here, that's that's just a joke, you know. <laughs> yeah, the real stuff is at home. Yeah. Yeah. Things got ugly when when I started with the troops because now I I had to stop going home. If I want to see my family, it's either gonna have to be at my grandpa's house or at a restaurant because I don't want to put them in danger, which I already did because my brother, I got my brother, my younger brother, I got him a job as a uh, security guard and um, my older brother was the, uh, you can call him a handyman, the electric, the handyman of a a whole base for America. Okay. So both of them were involved. My cousin was involved. My cousins, they were doing a, uh, the one that got killed, he was a uh, driver. Mm. And the others, they were, they had a contract to do the cell phone towers back then. So, yeah, it was fun. I had a, I had two AK-47s and three pistols. One of them was, the smallest one was 7 millimeter. It was locked and loaded in my car, the airbag module, the, I mean, the driver airbag, the guts, I had it out. And the two screws in the back, I had them Uh off and... Okay. It, it would still have uh, two clipses on the side. Like when you when you push it, it will still hold without putting the screws. And uh, again, I had the guts out, and I had the seven millimeter behind the airbag module. Oh wow! Be- behind the airbag, the steering wheel airbag. Sorry. Uh, how old are you at this time? That was uh, uh, two thousand and. Uh, I'd say six and up, five and up, 20, 25. Okay, okay. Dang, that's crazy. It's just such a such a different uh, life than that, what I experienced. I, I can't imagine. Like, yeah, but <sighs> it it ended it ended well. Like right yeah. now. Okay, let me put it this way. You see, you see how, you see how. Let's say, okay, let's say our field, for example, you know, when, when a tech is so involved in a car and he's like lost, there's a problem, big problem in the car. And he, you know, he had to take a break from it, go back home, you know, do a little more studying about it, go back next day to the shop and work on it more. And now he found it, you know, how happy he is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me, let me tell you my happiest moments in life. That's, that's when I was, uh, when I was with the uh, anti-terrorism unit, I had to stand in front of what they call an eagle eye in front of a big uh, screen. We had people in the street and were like, let's say, the the airplane, the eyes were chasing a suspect or a person wanted and... uh, the people in the street, the the you know, our friends in the street, when they when they catch him, when they capture him, and then when you come to him, 
to know that your reports showing that this person was planning to do a suicide attack in a market full of women and kids and people in general, you know? Wow. That's yeah, exactly. You see the feeling? You know, you you know you're you you're like you were a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wow. you, you were honestly and it happened so many times. So many times. Either like he was planning to blow himself in a market or go kill Americans or do this or do that. Whatever it is, he's a terrorist. You know? And uh yeah, so when you get to that level of joy like happiness joy that you was a part of that yeah after that there's no car fixing is gonna get you <laughs> excited you understand what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah that crank no start is not quite the same yeah. oh my gosh that's wild that's so cool man i really appreciate you sharing your story on here that's that's pretty cool stuff uh, absolutely man I'm I'm a big fan of your podcast and uh, thank you. I really hesitated to come here because I I I know I I probably disappointed a lot of people. I didn't give uh, no technical information or no advices or, but you know that's that's me. You know I'm the bottom of the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't think so, and um, yeah, that's that's the thing is it, that's not what it's all about is the technical stuff, right? Like we're, we're humans too, all of us doing this stuff and everybody's got their own background and story and experiences they bring to it. And it's, it's pretty cool just to talk to somebody and hear about, you know, everything they've, they've done to get to where they're at, like how the, all the different walks of life, uh, you know, and we're all ended up doing something similar. It's pretty crazy. So I uh, I really appreciate it you sharing here. I appreciate you having me. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for Ali for joining me. I really appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Also, I'd like to thank all the listeners out there and all the feedback I get on the show. Always appreciate that. So thank you. But with that all of the way, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time. <laughs>